Hey guys, uh, welcome to the All Time Pod, episode 6. Uh, I just want to take a moment uh, to dedicate episode 6 uh, in the memory of uh, my Uncle Sam, who uh, passed away at uh, 49 years old of some heart complications. Uh, I actually found out the news on my way to Cali while I was listening to some of the albums that we are going to talk about in this episode. So I just wanted to dedicate uh, this episode to him. Uh, he was a DJ. Uh, he touched a lot of people. Uh, he was with a lot of people all the time. He loved music. Actually, I have a memory of me and my uncle in my grandparents' garage that we um, he was he was teaching me how to DJ on his turntables. And this is something that's a memory that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life because... It's saved on VHS, it's recorded, so I have that memory of me all the time. So he was an amazing man, he was an amazing human being. I don't know if he ever got a chance to listen to our podcast, but he was alive when two of the episodes, episode one and two, uh, went live. So I know you would be proud of me, and um, thank you for being a part of my life. This episode is dedicated to you, Wes Wes. Hip hop that came out in the last week or two. Yeah, besides the besides the albums that we've been uh, focusing on for this week, um, I've been on to the new Tyler album. Yeah, how do you find that? I'm enjoying it. I feel like for the first time. Um, well, we started when Yonkers was. Um, well, I think you started with Bastard. I knew of Bastard, but I didn't love. Bastard until like Yonkers came out and I was like, okay, maybe there's more to check out. Um, I always found like with Tyler, it was good. Hit or miss. I wouldn't even say hit or miss. I would say generally good, but they were always albums that required, um, they grew on you for a period and it was, it was easy albums to move on from. Like I don't listen to Goblin much. I don't listen to Wolf much. It didn't age. Goblin didn't age at all. It didn't age too well. Bastard aged all right goblin a little less um wolf is still good cherry uh, cherry, cherry bomb, bomb was was horrendous yeah and not not a big fan and even scumfuck wasn't um an album that i i couldn't get into it as much as people were um loving it like i know it was on a lot of top tens at the end of the year that was my favorite one it was definitely his best so far in terms of like body of work but i think igor is the first time that i'm listening to one of his albums and i'm not looking i'm not trying hard to like it it's just it's it i find it really enjoyable 
Um, could I say it's his best? It, I mean, it might be his best. It's it's pretty damn good. He attracted a lot of people with this album. I went in and listened to it actually today before we recorded, but it's not for me right now. I'm not in the mood of that. I understand that he went really left field and he tried different yeah. things, but I'm not in the mood for it right now. Uh, there was a song that really stood out. The beat was more hip hop. It was more towards the middle of the album that I really liked, but I need to be in that certain type of mood to get into the album and I'm not feeling it at all. Right now, no. Go back to it though. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to that. Uh, I listened to the YG. Right. And I would say half the album uh, is good and half the album really doesn't need to be an album. <laughs> He could have made an album with like nine, ten songs, and it would have been fine. I didn't get a chance to hear it yet. He, he, he's, he's made two really solid albums. So everything after that, we're holding it against those two albums. So it's gonna be really hard for me to love anything else he comes, unless he brings back that 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 sound, that storytelling yeah. West Coast sound that we liked with My Crazy Life and Still Brazy. Um, the first song I really enjoyed. And then there's a song like Midway uh, that really brought back, it brought me back to my crazy life. Mm. So I was like, okay, maybe he's going to jump back into this with those type of West Coast, like G-Funk, like a bit like a mixture anywhere between what the Dog Pound would use yeah. and what DJ Quick would use. And then it just went like, you know, kind of what today's music is. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, I think I've been really looking at this year up against last year. So things really haven't been amazing. So I'm hoping with what's coming out in the next few weeks, uh, we'll get something that we really love. So Tyler and YG are both uh, West Coast artists. We're doing West Coast albums, so episode six. Out. Episode West six. Coast. I uh, really, really got to thank everyone who's been listening to episodes one to five. Um, we've been doing a really good job with I'm posting and with, stuff yeah. like that and, and we've been getting a lot of listens too I'm impressed with uh, the listens we get so yeah keep listening uh, we're really happy you guys are enjoying it uh, if you guys have anything any ideas to uh, criticism too please yeah like write to us on the Instagram I think that's pretty much all we're using because uh, you guys are listening and you guys are going back so like there's something that we're doing that's being done well because you guys keep going back. Yeah, so my favorite thing that uh, we shouted out Sean last week, my favorite thing that he keeps telling me is how he stops the episode to go hear an album. So he takes like almost a whole day to get through the episode because we keep making him want to... I love hearing that. And I love hearing uh, Malenko, uh, someone who I work with, gets mad and then he'll go back and listen to the album, and then he'll come back and say, I listened to the album, it's fucking amazing. Or just like, it, like criticism like that, or why don't you guys add this, or this is my top 10. Like being really involved in the comments, and really being involved when the, when the weekly episodes come out. So shout out to you, and shout out to those people that do the same thing. I'm not going to start mentioning 5,000 well, names Well, I am going to mention Gabu. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Vilni is coming. Relax. Relax. Take it easy. It's coming. Mad Villainy is not a group. He can be, and they can be in the group episode, and they can be in the Wu-Tang episode. So relax, they're coming. Um, My sister was concerned about KRS-One today. It's fucking Just coming. wait, guys. Just wait. You need to relax. I, I understand that you guys are involved in it. I love it. But just things are coming. Don't worry about it. Things are really coming. Uh, on the positive note, 
I was in Cali uh, two weeks ago, and I listened to a bunch of these albums. And let me tell you, the vibe was there. You feel it more? I feel it more. Uh, not with every album, but with like certain albums, they really stood out and it felt really, really good. I understood the sound being there. It was cool at the same time. Uh, so let's start it off. We're starting off episode six. So we're halfway down the season. You got five episodes. You got half of the list. We're starting episode six the same way we started episode one. I'm fucking excited for this album. Ice Cube. That certificate. 91. 1991. Um, Who, who's angrier than Ice Cube on this album? <laughs> fucking no one. It makes absolutely no sense. But you could tell that he found his sound in this album. Yeah, because you got you. I mean, there's still Bomb Squad production as we discussed, but it's less like he's more his own artist now. You're getting more of his production. Jinx is producing a lot of it. That's it's it's I that mean, West Coast sound, and he brought it back to the West Coast. Yeah, he was like more New Yorkish with a little bit of that West vibe, but now he's really he's really storytelling in South Central. And he's also touching on political views, political things that were happening, uh, all the f incredible bullshit that happened in South Central before mm. this. He's addressing all of that. He's doing it in a very, very angry way. It's very angry. Uh, there's a lot of themes. We talked about albums that probably couldn't come out today. This was actually one of those albums that had uh, certain songs cut from different versions of the album if i'm understanding correctly from what i understood in the uk when this album came out it was not marketed at all you could not have an ice cube poster an ice cube image uh, a, a physical advertisement for this album in your shop or in really your, yeah so i don't know how true that is but apparently in the uk this album was there was tracks cut from it and you couldn't promote it. It's kind of like what happened with Eminem with Marshall Mathers. Like people were against it, boycotting, and you couldn't sell it in Walmarts and Zellers and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing the same thing. But when you put those two albums against each other, you could tell the angriness in both of them. Yeah. And the violence. This one's a little more angry. I'd like. Well, the, the Eminem one's a little more of a personal anger. This one's more of a. You do get the anger towards NWA. At this point now, he's very clear about the feud that they're having. They're, they're not getting along. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, this songs yeah. ever. When you come out and you fucking diss somebody that way, mm. you're really, really putting their name to shame. Yeah. And forget that song overall. When he's talking about Uncle Sam... When he's talking about a bunch of shit that happened with the police, mm. man, he's really digging deep. He's not scared to talk at all. He's he's basically going full fledged on. Uh, also, songs like uh, what's that song called with the fucking with the girl where he rings the doorbell to go pick up the girl. Giving up the nappy dog. Giving up the nappy dog. That was my song in high school. I remember being <laughs> on the bus going home in high school and always playing that song. That song is incredible wouldn't fly if it came out today wouldn't fly if it came out today now, this album if it would it would if it would came out today yeah it would be uh, there would be something against it uh like going to the track list how to survive in south central i know it's towards the bonus disc of the album mm. fucking great song 
great song. And you could tell in those type of songs, uh, I Want to Kill Sam, A Bird in Hand, Steady Mobbing. Yeah. So West Coast. He really went back to that West Coast sound. And this has to be his best album. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a there's an argument there. I think it's really his most complete album. It's the most uh, cohesive sounding. There's something that he does on this album that I'm not particularly a fan of because I don't find it does anything for the album. It's how he breaks it up in Death Side and Life Side. I never understood that. There's nothing about either part of the album that does life or death for me. He produced on this album too. He did for he did quite a bit of the producing on it. Do you think that he tainted his career after this album because this album was so good? What do you mean? Let's be honest. It's his best album. Yeah. Everything that came out after this was either good, okay, not incredible to this. Uh, well, Predator was very good. It was very good. It, it was different, too. Yeah. It, it was more that G-Funk, yeah. very like sampling on Parliament. It was Parliament. more the pop and, album. Yeah, and there was poppy yeah. songs on it. He had great songs on it. But I find everything after this was being held, okay, where's his death certificate again? Where's this? He was often compared to this again. Yeah. He, was he was still not, angry. Not, not compared to this, but people were looking for this again. It, he was still angry. What was the album after Predator? Lethal, uh, Lethal Injection. Yeah. That one, that's where it starts. Mm, yeah, that's where it starts dropping off, I'd say. I was a fan later on, I would say, like more in like the 2000s, after he took like that hiatus of like six years. Because he, he, he did the song of like the, the, the sound of like the 2000s, and I really enjoyed that. Mm. And he brought back his uh, gangster rap side as well. Uh, but like overall, this is his best fucking album. Yeah. His best album. Uh, it's a clear 9.5, 10 on 10. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, do you want to add anything else to this album, or could we move no, on? It's, I mean, it's one of those, like we say about uh, they're just good. You can't really take anything away from it. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a classic. Yeah, if you haven't heard this uh, death certificate, go hear it. It really also justified a different sound uh, to the West because Dr. J was doing G Funk, uh, and that sound with Snoop Dogg and that side of the tracks, mm. and then Ice Cube really dug deep into that gangster rap that had nothing to do with what Dr. J was doing. Yeah. Uh, let's bring it to something else. Album two. Album two. Compton's Most Wanted, Music to Drive By. There's an album we're not going to be talking about in the West Coast that we'll be talking about in next episode. Just so you don't get mad. Yeah, I don't want anybody that's mad. Um, that we'll be talking about in the next episode. And there's a reason why we put it in next episode versus this episode. I just want to stop before we do this yeah. album. Some of the albums that we we moved around okay it's easy to bring up the chronic and doggy style in west coast it's boring now to do that so we're gonna give you albums that you don't always hear about that's why we move things around we get that the best west coast album is arguably the chronic but you might not know these 10 that's the point of doing this and this album to be honest with you here good good segue this is an album that you put on me while we were making this list. Yeah. I, I, it's not an album. I knew who they were, but it's not an album I, I knew or know now even. So. It's an album that you need to dig deep into. And it came out in 1992. 
and it a couple of years after Straight Outta Compton came out. And the thing I like about this album, Compton's Most Wanted Music to Drive By, I find it a more storytelling than Straight Outta Compton. In the few listens I had, I know that I, I heard that right away. Uh, MC8, uh, who is the main MC, uh, versus what Straight Outta Compton did, where Straight Outta Compton really went out there and talked to you about the police, talked to you about drug dealing, talked to you about the issues growing up in South Central and in Compton. Mm. These guys were like the night version of NWA in Straight Outta Compton. These guys brought you to Compton. When I listen to this album, I feel like I'm in Compton at nighttime, living what they're living, living about the selling of drugs, running away from the police. Uh, from the what? From the police. Okay. The storytelling is so vivid, so in-depth, that it makes you really feel like you're there. And I don't think there's any really other album that, on this list that does this. It makes you feel like you're from Compton when you're listening to it. The one thing I love about MSing the most is somebody that could attract you and really grab a hold of when they're talking to you. And this is what this album does. It feels like somebody's reading me a book about Compton. Well, there is an album on the list that does bring you to Compton. We're gonna. It's it's later on. Yeah. But it's a different perspective of Compton too. Yeah, and it's very dark. Uh, it's violent, but not that aggression type of violent. No, it's pretty laid back. It's really laid back. Uh, there's a lot of sampling. They sample Public Enemy on this. EPMD. EPMD. Uh, there's that classic Isaac Hayes sample that keeps coming back that we hear on Wu-Tang's a W, that we hear it on uh, Beyonce's Lemonade. That I mean, Isaac Hayes, welcome by. You hear that on this? For how good of a MC that MC8 is, Kendrick Lamar actually went to get him for his album. And the storytelling that he did on Kendrick's album brings it right back to the storytelling he was doing on this album. Yeah. So this is a solid, solid fucking album that people need to check out if you're talking about West Coast music. And that sound is definitely there. I found that this is a sound that you can't really touch uh, when you're talking about West Coast music. The next album... Yeah, we're going to go right away to right the next, next album. We the next album doesn't sound very West Coast. You don't find? I find that this album could have come out... The, okay, so the MCs sound very West. They have the Western characteristics, but their their production and the beats that they used. And even on future albums, I don't find they ever fit in necessarily with West Coast hip-hop. Okay. Uh, far Side. Is our right to the Far Side? Uh, if you want me to just side note, yeah, uh, Lab Cab in California was fully produced by Jay Dilla. When I hear that album, I think of Roots' Illadelph Half-Life. Okay. It just sounds like their version of Illadelph to me with more of a... Okay, yeah, there is a bit of a West Coast touch that they bring. But when I first got into Bizarre Ride, yeah. they were the first... Well, into Farside, they were the first rap group that I was listening to from the West before NWA. This was this was the first album that pulled me, because I feel repetitive saying this. I was into De La Soul. I was into Tribe Called Quest. I was into what people were doing on the other side. That's my first attachment to this album. Was it sounds like that, but from here, 
Well, that's what drags you in too, because when you think about the West Coast, you think about gangster rap, you think about violence, yeah, uh, you think about aggression, being angry, uh, all that stuff. These guys didn't have that in their music. This album came out what ninety two. Yeah, late yeah. 92. Late 92. What was coming out of California? What was coming out of the West? Well, Ice Cube in 91. Dr. Dre in 91. Snoop Dogg. Chronic was later, though. Chronic was what, 92? 92, 93, I think. Fuck, I hate these dates. Yeah. Uh, but all these things were coming out, and it was just so looked on as violent and being a gangster where these guys came out and look at the album cover they're on a roller coaster it was a good time it was a good it time wasn't that, yeah yeah there wasn't much of a this um, was this was a fun album to listen to mm. it was the opposite of what you're used to coming from there or listening to music from there uh, they brought out the sunshine sunshine in the sound the voices, the subject matter, joking and songs and giving that different L.A. feel. Look at the end of the album. Yeah. What's the Yo Mama song? Yeah, it's like they're shooting back and jokes back and forth. It's like, yeah, it's a... Picking, it's really just that. Like, It's like they're just picking these songs and their subject matter where they just want to have fun as MCs. Yeah. The beats are happy-go-lucky. Uh, there's really no, like, ballad or like soft song on the album it just kind of flows in that way that the album goes by quick and once you're at the end you're just like fuck i want to go back and listen to it because it's so uh, yeah. it's so like like looking at the sun it's so <laughs> what's that word i'm trying to look for not fun but so like i'm gonna let you find it uh happy i don't know happy yeah. it is no it is it's but you know what happy. i mean it's like it's it, 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 it you're so used to looking at rap mm. like Violent, gangster, and I'm going to keep repeating this throughout the episode, but these guys brought a different side to it. The same side that A Tribe Called Crest brought. Now, I'm not putting them up against each other, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. But it's very interesting that you say that because when you look at how hip-hop progressed up until now, so now we're in 92, all throughout the 80s, it was mainly New York artists that were putting out big albums. And the ideas behind it were positive. It was forward thinking. There was there was um, a, a request for progress. There was like, um, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In the late in the late '80s, when NWA comes out, it pretty much throws all that away. Yeah. It it it. We're talking we're talking about NWA very quickly. We'll bring it up again when we get to them. But for lack of better terms, it gave it a bad rap. Exactly. So when this comes out in 92 from the West, where the bad rap was uh, coming from, I guess it showed that there's diversity on this side as well. And you can have fun with what you're doing instead of being like that. Um, Let's jump into the next well, album. I was just going to make a little yeah. comment. One of the things that I don't really love about this album, this being their first album, um, what I sometimes find is that the songs... Um, they um, they have weird progressions from verse to chorus. Sometimes okay. the beats don't match up as well as they could. When a when a when when a change happens, it should it 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 turns me off rather than. So when I first got into this, 
uh, not knowing as much hip hop, it was easy to enjoy and find different. Whereas now that I've known a lot more albums, I find there's little things in the production that maybe would uh, push this to the bottom of my list if we were ranking this. Okay. Next album, Souls of Mischief. 93 till infinity. Yeah, in my opinion, a better Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. These two, it, it's funny that they're they're close in years mm-hmm. and they're right next to each other on the list. They fed off each other. Yeah, big time. They fed off each other. Uh, Souls of Mischief, again, really different than what was coming out. Hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs, uh, Delta Funky Homo Sapien. Uh, your backpack, Hip hop, which is underground hip hop, open parentheses, close parentheses. Yeah. Uh, very underground hip hop. You need to be a hip hop head to listen, to know about it, not to listen to this, but to know about artists like this. I, th- yeah. I think the mainstream, uh, when you throw music at the people that listen to mainstream, this will never come up. But this is a fucking album you need to listen to. This album, um, yeah, I do think this album might be better today than when it came out um group from oakland none of the members really stood out on their own did they even do solo stuff on their own no but um i'm not sure i don't think so i know that everybody else in the hieroglyphics group uh casual double funky homo sapien they did uh, but i don't think these guys did anything uh on their own they did come out with a second album, I think even a third album. Yeah, they have like three, four, and even recent, more recent ones. Like they haven't uh, necessarily disappeared entirely. But bringing back to the point where these MCs were just having fun with their music. Yeah. And again, joking songs. Uh, they're talking about on this album how great of MCs they are and that they're better than yeah, a bunch of MCs. They, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I find when I listen to this album, I'm listening to a bunch of guys in a room just freestyling and going back at it, seeing who's a better MC. Mm. Uh, the beats are happy-go-lucky. The the production is just... Yeah, it's, it's, that's what really carries this album. The production. Artists from today, and I'm not talking about the mainstream artists, I'm talking about the the more, like, I don't know, like Joey I would Badass. say... The Joey Badasses of the world and those people get their influence yeah, from, hear that on this. from from guys like uh, this. Flatbush. Flatbush zombies. Uh, that just that MCing backpack hip hop. Uh, this is where the this is where you get your influence from. Um, just let me bring up the point of the backpack hip hop. Uh, underground hip hop has been around for so long. Underground hip hop is where there's the mainstream and then there's the underground hip hop. Underground hip hop usually gets listened to by people who are fed up of listening to the mainstream being thrown at your face type of artist. Mm -hmm. And you go dig deep for artists that don't sound like that. This is where these guys shine their light. When I was bored and when I was fed up of listening to West Coast gangster rap and West Coast mainstream hip hop, this is where I dug in and be like, what else is there out there? What else in hip hop sounds different? And this is where these guys come in. Speaking of sounding different. From the Bay Area, also. Fuck, we're going fast through these albums, but goddamn, I'm having fun. 
E40. Fonzarelli. 40 Waters. In a major way. 1995. Um, not for everyone, this album. <laughs> but we got to say... Man, we, I'm happy to this. We got to say the story of how we got into E40. Now, E40 as an artist... <laughs> First of all, I don't think you could tell where he's from if you don't go look and see where he's from. Uh, his slang, though. His slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I first heard E-40, I was like, where the fuck is this guy from? Like, where is he from? Then I found out where he was from. And I was like, oh, okay. Let me go dig deep. Let me see what other artists are from here. Oh, the slang comes from here. He's talking this way because they created that hyphy sound. And that's slang. But E-40 is probably, I would say, top five hip-hop MCs that are the hardest to get into. Yeah, because there's a time and place for it. Yes. As much as I want to listen to an E-40 album, uh, well, look, this is his best album in a major way. His second album, Hall of Game, fantastic album as well. Yeah, His not third as good. album, Element of Surprise, is a double album. And like, if you keep up with him right up until today, he doesn't release one album. When he releases one, he releases four. <laughs> so they're kind of like, if you if you're if you're already not in the mood, and if you find it moody, as he as most people probably think, it's a hard catalog to follow and get into. So if you're not if you don't know where to start with E40 in a major way, definitely, then go to Hall of Game and Element of Surprise, and then from there. And it's not a uh, lengthy album either. It's around the... It's about an hour long. It's an hour long. His albums that come out now are about three hours. Yeah, and if you're somebody that gets off the features, Tupac is a feature on this album, so you might... Like, he's not just E-40. Like, he, he has... He was well, He's well-liked. He's well-liked. He's looked up to by MCs. And I'm going to tell you one thing. This was actually... Tupac's favorite rapper. Quick side note, we're going to get right back to that. In 2006, he started breaking out commercially with the My Ghetto Report card. Uh, hits like uh, Tell Me When to Go uh, with yeah. T-Pain. What was the song with T-Pain? If you were in the clubs, you tell and me that, when... T-Pain. Yeah. Tell Me When to Go was in the clubs. Yeah. Uh, he was making more like clubby type songs and he wasn't scared to go get a bunch of these artists either but even if you look at him now I want to get back to Tupac because that's a very good point but even if you look at him now those albums that he puts out three four a year he's not getting old guys no. he works with Too Short pretty much religiously but he gets like the recent song of his that I really loved was with uh, Schoolboy Q and Danny Brown yeah so he get he's not he's not out of touch no he he's knows what he's doing very up on things yeah 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 and he's a very smart guy I remember listening to one of his albums from like six, seven years ago, maybe even more than that, I don't remember, and he had a Kendrick Lamar before yeah. Kendrick Lamar yeah. came out with, I would say it was about Section 80 uh, time, and he was putting him on songs. Yeah, I know, he knows, he, knows, uh, he knows what's going on, and what I also like about him is he's not, he's very much, he seems very much aware in the music that he does now that his time is, is done, and he's really just having a good time with what he puts out, and helping people know these guys. He's not there to make... He, he's not bringing these guys to to his albums for sales. At all. He's telling you to go hear them. Yeah. So um, So back to the yeah. Tupac thing. Tupac always, always spoke about E-40. Highly. 
well, of him. E40 is on Tupac albums too. Yeah, and Tupac like on his albums. So they went back and forth being on each other's albums. And I think this is because Tupac moved uh, in the Bay for a certain time and stuff like that. But you could tell when artists like Tupac, artists like uh, Spice One, artists like that talk highly of someone, they changed the game. He changed the game with his flow. He changed the game with his wordplay. He changed the game with the way he uses certain words in a certain way that you need to go back and be like, what? what is this guy saying? Uh, also, he can probably have his own dictionary. He probably could. So, and it started with this album because before that, I don't think it was really, he wasn't really known. He did his, his albums before, but this one really put his stamp on Bay Area hip hop. So yeah, go check out that album uh, in a major way. What's next? Next up, album number six on the list. We're blowing through these for a reason. Get ready. Album number six is Dog Food by The Dog Pound. Um, I would say... You'd know these guys maybe as Corrupt and Daz Dillinger. Yeah, uh, Dog Pound. Uh, Snoop Dogg is not in Dog Pound. But he's very much behind them. Exactly. He very much pushed them. Uh, he was involved a lot with them. Uh, he gave them that, listen to these guys, um, with them, there's a reason to listen to them. When you talk about emceeing... These guys are on point, yeah. These guys are on fucking point as MCs. Corrupt, if you ever follow the solo stuff, Corrupt as an MC is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. He's actually was not born in the West. He's actually from Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, which is just a side note for that. Uh, corrupt as an MC, just fucking next level. Das Dillinger as an MC. You see, Das Dillinger is the more gangster of yeah. the two, where Corrupt is the more of the MC, the wordplay, the skill set, and all that stuff. And Das is more where, okay, I'm, I'm a gangster rapper. I'm going to change my flow, but I'm going to hit you hard with what I'm saying. Uh, the lead single off this album was actually pretty... I wouldn't call it... Uh, there's nothing controversial to it, but for a West Coast group a West Coast album. The lead single was New York, New York. And this wasn't a, a diss song at first. And it was featuring Snoop. Yeah. Who had not just called out the, the East. He, he called out the East in 95. So around this time. Yeah, around this time. But this one it came out wasn't a diss track. It was called New York, New York to give props to them because they respected the MCs from New York. But what happened was is when that thing happened with Tupac and all that bullshit beef where they thought Biggie had something to do with the, him getting shot up at the studio, they switched it up on them and said, you know what? We're going to make a music video where we're coming to your city and tearing down the buildings. So at first it wasn't a diss track, but then after all that crap happened... There was a drive-by at the video shoot. Exactly. Too, right? Yeah, there was a drive-by at the video shoot uh, because I'm guessing... New York MCs were just like, we're the best MCs. We're better than you guys. Why do you have New York, New York in your name? Uh, but I think they were really trying to pay homage to them. 
But when they found out what happened, they just switched it up on them. These guys were also on The Chronic. So yes, yep. Snoop Dogg was being presented on The Chronic. But like Dr. Dre usually does, he, he has one guy that he's kind of pushing in the spotlight. But he surrounds with other artists as well. The Dog Pound being those other two MCs that you often hear come up on The Chronic. Let's take a break. Cool. We're back with part two back, of, back, back. of the West Coast episode. West, 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 West. Um, the next albums that we're going to talk about, there's four left. Let's highlight the, the first six. We started on Death Certificate, Ice Cube. Then we did Compton's Most Wanted, Music, Music to, to Drive, drive by. by, The Far Side, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, Souls of Mischief, 93 Till Infinity. You forgot two after Bizarre Ride 2 to the Far Side, but it's fine. We'll what? keep it in. It's Bizarre Ride 2. To the far side. No, it's not. What is it? Bizarre ride number two. Bizarre ride number two. To the to the far. There's not two two to the but far side. But there's two side. lines. That's the number two. Fuck them. Okay, continue. Ninety three till infinity. Souls of mischief. E forty Fonzarelli. Forty waters run deep, in a major way. Dog pound, dog, dog. food. <laughs> Album number six. And there's a reason why we not went fast with the fucking the first 18 albums we just did, but we need to really focus on. Yeah, these the next albums. four albums are pretty big, and there's a there's a recurrent thing with these four albums. Album number six comes out in 1996. All eyes on me. Tupac. The first ever double disc hip hop album. False. What is it? DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith. Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to ask you a question, then Go you're going to answer, then you're going to ask me the same question. <laughs> okay. Do I give a fuck? No. Ask me. Did you know that there were other double albums after that that weren't all eyes on me? But I couldn't give a fuck about them. Uh, if I told you it was Master P, you couldn't give a fuck about it? Oh, yeah, it's true. Master P, what, what year did Master P come out? And what, what year was it? I don't know the year by heart, but this wasn't the first. Well, you guys... It was, it was, it was, look, it was the first main, like it was pushed into the public, the first mainstream double hip hop album. You could, we could agree on that. Like no one cared about the, no one cared. If you weren't into hip hop, you weren't listening to the other albums. But maybe Gabu was, was. I have a feeling Gabu is probably going to give a shit yeah, that we said. Yeah, because we missed this. another double album, <laughs> but this was the major uh, double album hip, the first major so hip there you have it, folks. Release. This is where I hang up my earphones and I say, don't listen to us because we know shit about hip hop. All eyes on me, Tupac. Um, a double album, not something I'm usually a fan of. What I like about this double album is that I could listen to disc one on its own. I could listen to disc two on its own without one having to interact with the other. I need, like, to me, there are no connections between disc one and disc two. I could put disc one on and it bangs. I could put disc two on and it bangs. If I listen to them back to back, it gets a little long, but equally good on each side. Solid from front to back. Um, Where was Tupac born? New York. Yep. Yeah. This is a West Coast album. Yeah. So on this, uh, th that's, this album really. A lot of people think that, and sorry to cut you off there, a lot yeah. of people think that Tupac is from the West. He wasn't born in the West. He grew up in New York. He went to Baltimore, went to the Bay, went to jail, mm. okay? 
little story here. Tupac came out with uh, Me Against the World while he was on prison. Tupac was a, w- was a hip-hop artist, and we could talk about this forever. Quick side note. Yeah. Me Against the World is not in the West Coast episode because... It's going to be in a better episode. And because it just doesn't sound West Coast. It just doesn't sound West Coast. I don't even think it was recorded in the West. Uh, but anyways, we'll get yeah. to that one later. Uh, so Tupac was a highlighted MC uh, because police brutality, because his lyrics, because he was in the spotlight a lot in hip hop uh, for shooting at the cops, uh, for getting shot at at a studio, uh, for leaving the hospital when he should have been staying in the hospital, all this shit. He was basically, he's kind of like, like fucking, okay, this is going to be really bad when I say this, but he's kind of like the Kodak Black of today. He was kind of like 6 uh, 9 and all these people because he was in the news a lot. I'm not saying he was doing what they were doing, but you know when you highlight an MC and you see his face everywhere, you would probably see his face on Instagram if Instagram existed back then. And, that's, and I'm not taking that away from him. Tupac went to jail. Suge Knight from Death Row Records saw something in Tupac and bailed him out of jail. When Tupac got out of jail, okay, I love storytelling, when Tupac got out of jail, Suge Knight signed him to death row. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever else was going on with all that shit, whatever. Tupac came out of jail into probably one of the best situations for him as an MC because he was backed up by some of the greatest artists at the moment. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, dog pound and what the death row camp was doing at the time so he's coming out of prison he has producers waiting for him he has mcs waiting for him and that's how they created this album you hear his aggression you hear his issues in this album there's those ballads there's those amazing r&b tracks that i think are flawless on this album they really stand out and they really sound West Coast. Tupac's earlier stuff never sounded West Coast to me. This shit sounds West Coast. And it's because of the production. It's because of the MCs he has featured. It's because of that Nate Dog, And it's because he was backed up by Death Row Records. I'm going to disagree with you on him sounding angry on this album. Okay. I know what you mean. Uh, I think he's he was always very much a rapper that was in your face he's probably a bit more in your face than on me against the world but i don't find he's necessarily aggressive i think that's a that's a miss uh, that's something people say about tupac but when you listen to full albums i don't think that's very much a thing okay my highlight my highlights on this album are the songs like uh, hearts of men uh, only god can judge me only god can judge me only god um, I don't like the R&B songs. Oh, fuck. For real. No More Pain is a song that goes on way too long. It's not one of the R&B ones, but No More Pain, where he, where he, uh, he sings the Method Man uh, chorus. Yes. I, a, that's actually a, my favorite song on really? the album. I find that six minutes of too long. Oh, fuck. I, I, that's my favorite song but on the album. When he does the songs like Life Goes On and I'm Mad At You, uh, I, know why, I know why people like them. But to me, they, they sound like Nas I Am, I Can, whatever the fuck it's called. That They're just trying to pick you up type of songs. Get out. I don't need it. Uh, two of America's Most Wanted 
the Method Man feature on the, the album. Oh, fuck. That's good. Got my mind made up featuring Method Man, Red Man, mm. Corrupt. Mm. Who else is on this song? Uh, Dog Pound actually is on this song, Corrupt and Daz. And Inspect the Deck yeah. was supposed to be on this song. Yeah, they shot him out. But they shot him out at the end, but his verse got cut for some reason. No idea why. He was dissing and he was against East Coast hip hop. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to me how we went to get Method Man and Red Man. Who had also worked Method Man on Biggie's album. So okay. the ties between all this. And he went to go get them to put them on a song. This That song, actually, I, I read that was supposed to be on the Dog Pound album. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but it, what's I, your uh, What's I, your favorite track on this album? Uh, oh, you said it before. I said, uh, I said No More Pain. No More Pain. If I got to choose another two songs, it would be Got My Mind Made Up, obviously. And would probably also be, where the fuck is the name of that amazing R&B song? Uh, what the fuck is name is the song? No, why, Tug Passion. Oh, <laughs> fuck, I love that song. My favorite track on this has nothing that like does not belong on this album is What's Your Phone Number? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't belong on the album at all. But th- there's so many, like, big hits. Yeah, yeah, this, song, this album had a lot. When you listen to this album, do you get vibes of an album that you heard in the last decade? Uh, I'm kind of knowing where you're going with this point. And I'm not saying they, that... that they have the same themes and they have the same things. I'm saying that musically, when you listen throughout this album and you hear great albums have a, have a way of um, resonating long-term. Yeah. When I hear this album, I don't need to imagine what was going on at the time. I don't need to think people must've been shook by this album when it come out. I hear it. I hear that when this came out for X, Y, Z reasons, this must've been oh, I know a, where you're going. like crazy. This must've changed so much. Yeah, it reminds me of a lot of when we heard Pimp a Butterfly. Anyway, I was—I thought you were gonna say "damn." To be honest, no. Uh, yeah, I get where you're going with that. Like I, it came—it came completely out of left field. There are singles, but they fit so well within the the body of work that. Um, but the hits on this. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus on one hit in particular now. Which one? I'd before like I start that. naming them. Um, well. I specifically want to talk about California Love, hip hop anthem. Um, Probably one of the top yeah. ever. And as much as it's a popular song, it's Fuck. a, it's man, it's it's an incredible song. They play that in the clubs now. They're gonna play that they in the clubs that, when yeah. we're dead. This though, I don't care how much you feel about the version on the album. Yeah. When I hear the vocoder say California Love, and I don't hear that beat that bangs behind it, and I get a remix, that's a very low point on this album for me. Yeah. I think that the real, like the single version would have really, really, really perfected this album. We knew it a certain way. You created an anthem for us, and when we put on your album, that vocoder comes on, and when the beat drops, it's not a song I know. 
But didn't that have to do with something with like the the 12-inch or the CD single? Like they had that version on, then it had the remix version, then it had another version. From what I understood, the remix version is always what was on the album. The single version was strictly for radio. Huh. And yeah, man, I really, I think it's a shit. I mean. Say it's shit. No, not I wouldn't say it's shit. It's not bad, but it's the exact same verses. Yeah. Over, over. Like it just for me, it's not what I want to hear when that beat drops. So I would have liked to have that song on the album. Yeah, it would have been like a higher point into the album too. Like it would because it's towards the end. There's only one or two tracks after this on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ambitions as a rider, fuck. Yeah, uh, we mentioned two of America's most wanted. That is an amazing, amazing song. With Snoop, the back and forth. Yep. Uh, what else on this? Uh, there's California Love, I Ain't Mad At You, uh, Shorty Wanna Be a Thug, All Eyes on Me, which that beat is hard. And I think Quick that's talk it. about the production real fast. Yeah, production um, wise. You get some DJ Quick, you get Daz Dillinger from the Dog Pond. Yep, he was a. F- Amazing producer as well. Johnny J. Very little production, and a lot of people don't think this. Yep. But very little production by Dr. Dre on this. Yep. California Love, Can't See Me. This was his last album before that came out before he died. Because, uh, what's that album called? Don Kaluminati. That was ready. but That was ready, but I think toyed around with because it came out after. Yeah. It came out after. Again, a two-disc album that sticks with you, that you could listen to in parts, like two different albums. That's. I feel like it's if, if you're not familiar with full bodies of work of Tupac's, listen to this in two parts. Definitely. Definitely. Let's jump into the next fucking album. So that's that was mainly my point in breaking up the first six with the next four yeah we spoke about dr dre's production on california love his featured verse yep next album on the list dr dre 2001 seven years if i can count right after the chronic is it seven years it's 1991 yeah yep so seven years after people were this album was probably really highly anticipated. And I remember one of my friends in elementary school got a chance to buy this album, <laughs> the explicit, explicit version, and we would listen to this album. Yeah, this is one of those you shouldn't be hearing in elementary, every, but somehow you got it. Every, every fucking day. This made more of an impact on me than The Chronic did. Now, I'm not Different saying... Different time, because yeah. you were more of a sponge when you heard this, but... <laughs> Big time, more of a sponge. Uh, very quick, on the chronic, we said that Snoop Dogg was being pushed. The Dog Pound were being pushed. Who's being pushed on this? Eminem. Who else? Well, Snoop Dogg's probably being pushed still, but not like pushed like he's a new MC. No, he's just being present on the work. Yeah. Hitman. Exactly. Hitman. Uh, there's songs with, uh, what's that guy's name? Devin the Dude. Uh, Exhibit. First of all, every song has a featuring, except I would Corrupt say is Corrupt is There. 
Um, there's Dub C, MC Ren, uh, King T, a bunch of West Coast artists, and you have Eminem, a young Eminem, just coming up in the game. Caucasian fella. A Caucasian fella, like ourselves. The album starts off like a movie, mm. then gets into the first song where he... He gets into the first song, and you kind of hear a different Dr. Dre on the first song. Yep. You hear a really different Dr. Dre on the first song. Yep. Do you want to specify on something before I continue? Um, well, the first thing he does is he pretty much lays out that things aren't the same. Yep. Uh, times are changing. We're getting old. Um, but it's crazy how he starts off with saying stuff like that. Oh, he's very self-aware in that this took him a very long time and it's been a challenge to keep up because none of, no matter which Dr. Dre albums you put on, none are the same. So signs of a great producer, this is what it's like now. I'm going to give my best shot at what people are doing now. And after all that positivity and change, we go to song three, which is called Fuck You. The song starts off by saying, I just want to fuck bad bitches. All the nights I never had bitches. This album is really, really downgrading to women. And I'm going to tell you one thing about this album. Women listen to this album more than men. Why is it that? Have you ever seen the concert for when this <laughs> album released? Was it what was it called? The tours? The Up and Smoke. It's true, you're right. Up and Smoke, and I there's <laughs> more women. As much as they're downgrading women on this album, there's more women in the crowd than men. Women pulling up their tops. It it's fucking insane. But this album really downgrades women, but is listened to so much by women as well. So that goes right out the window. And then we're going to go to the next song. Still Dre. Another impactful song. Still hear that one in the clubs too? Biggie goes explosive. What's the difference? Forget about Dre with Eminem. Pretty much the... Well, I mean, this was after uh, Slim Shady. Yeah, it was after. But this was also like, because um, Slim Shady wasn't like an LP that was really played. Essentially, Dr. Dre having disappeared for seven years and putting Eminem on a track helped really push Eminem more than his own material before. He did that throughout his career. Yeah, we said that in the first episode too, that we get... Snoop, Eminem, yeah. 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar. He Anderson pushes Pac, no. Anderson Pack. The next episode with Corrupt Nate Dogg and Snoop Dogg, yeah. another song. Yeah. This album has just hip-hop anthems galore. Yeah. So here's one thing that I could complain about. Now we went to the track. We named a couple of tracks going down the track list. Yeah, track 11 on next episode. Man, Housewife. See, I, that, that's the thing. I find later on in the album, there's not as much highlights as, uh, housewife. as in the first half. You can't make a whole a housewife. Ackright, I, I think the album throughout the whole album is just fucking bangers. It's a great album. Um, 
But do, but do you see where I'm saying that at the beginning he's saying he's changed? And, it's and just, then he's not that changed? No, at all. And this album sounds like his production and the way he took different producers to help him out with this project and different MCs and different people wrote for him. Jay-Z wrote for him on this album. Yeah, didn't he write the verse for... Uh, Still Dre? Was it Still Dre? Yeah. Yeah. To, was, uh, to all people that listen to hip-hop, I hope you know that Dr. Dre does not write all his lyrics. No, that's totally fine. Yeah, okay. Um, Sold uh, more than half a million in one week. So the reception was, uh, I mean... He, he this was massive. He puts his effort into these albums. He really does. And you could tell what, how his production comes out so crispy clear. This is a huge stamp for hip-hop to turn over into the decade. This ended off... It came out November 16, yeah, 1999. Yeah, this was like right at the end. Yeah, yeah. Right at the end. Yeah. This was a huge stamp in my life. Because of this album and because of these songs, I kind of continued into hip-hop and then brought me to Eminem and that brought me to, you know what, Puff Daddy and stuff like that. Because in 1999, yeah. I was only in grade five and I was listening to this. This was fucking insane when it came out do you think this going into the 2000s because i i personally found that dre made his biggest impact with the chronic on future west albums that came out yeah. and on music in general as i stated in the first episode but i i don't feel like this uh had that much of a, a stamp on 2000s music I feel like this was very much like the, the Dr. Dre album everybody was waiting for and it was well-loved and it's celebrated and we still hear these hits today, but I don't think this stamped the 2000s too much. I don't think so. You're kind of right with that where it had that line and it came out and it did well and then when things started to come out, the sound was changing so much in the 2000s that... It the 2000s is crazy because like you get... Like all of a sudden you're getting like... Atlanta's in a shift between like that outcast vibe into what we were talking about with Jeezy and T.I. and those guys and Chicago all of a sudden is like booming and like it wasn't this sound was it, it was definitely an album people took to to inspire themselves from but I don't think 2001 was as influential um, I don't hear elements of this on other people's music no but it was the changing of the guards because it pushed yeah. MCs okay and his production, people when they, I'm sure people listen to this and be like, okay, I need to, I need my sound to be as crisp and as clear as Dr. Dre in 2001. Very, very good point to bring up. An easy way to switch into next album, if you but, let but, me. But before saying that, I need to finish this off with this album where I say that when you, when you don't know hip hop yeah. and you listen to metal and punk and all the other fucking genres of music, when you're like, okay, I have five hip-hop CDs, 2001, Dr. Dre is in there because this also attracted a lot of different people, genres, to, to, to really come in and listen to Dr. Dre and 2001 because it's for the vast people. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is for sure. His production has always been something that was more accessible to people that weren't familiar with hip-hop. But, but I have a point to make when I say that this album didn't have... It may have been a changing of the guards, but it didn't have a, a staple on the sound 
of hip hop that came in the 2000s. No, you're right. You're right. I know you're very excited about this album, so I'm going to ask you before I do this, is there a way you wanted to start this to introduce this album? Or you want to let me do it with my point? Do it with your point, then I'm going to jump right in. When the game comes out with a documentary, he claims to be the savior of West Coast and bringing back that sound for a new time again. Six years after, 2005. So there's pretty much no sign of the West. For so long. Because you get the M&Ms in that period. You get Jay-Z that releases another classic in Blueprint that period. and all that stuff. New York gets huge again. You get the 50 cents. You get the 50 cents also from New York. A product of Eminem and Dre, but yep. still... You get Chicago with Kanye starting to come up from the Jay-Z production. So the West right now is very, very dormant. And this MC carried the West on his back. This was one of the albums that came out around the period where I wasn't into hip-hop. I wasn't so into hip-hop at all. I'm going to be straight honest. I was, listening, I was listening to G-Unit. Yeah. This album, 50 Cent, 110%, and like a bunch of like punk and hardcore music. This was uh, this was fucking when this came huge. out, it was pretty big, because uh, I mean, it was a product of Dr. Dre, but it was a product of Fifty Cent because yeah. Fifty Cent was running hip hop for that time, yeah. and Fifty Cent pushed him. But the fact that he was from the West, it kind of sparked something because they knew that the West was kind of not there for a while, so it attracted people to him. This fucking album, man, at points, it doesn't even sound like West Coast hip-hop. Like, look at the production. Just Blaze, New York. We have Havoc from Mob Deep, New York. We have fucking Cool and Dre. We have Kanye West. With the Havoc drums. With the Havoc drums. Like you said in the Duos episode. With the Havoc drums, we have... This is, this is, this is Havoc dr Dreams is Kanye yep. doing Havoc. Yeah. Uh, Buckwild. Busta Rhymes. Fuck yeah. Buckwild. Uh, High Tech. High Tech, producer I said was underrated in the duos episode yep. from Reflection Eternal. Uh, Timbaland. The production on this album is fucking out of control. And these guys are not all from the West. Nope. At the time in the well, 2000s, very important point. 50 Cent, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, people, but 50 Cent was one of the artists that started to go out there and take out different producers from different areas than he was in. The 2000s started that, and 50 Cent really pushed that. He was from New York, and he was getting producers from the West. He was getting producers from different areas. Then you got the game, okay, who did the same exact thing, but sounded so goddamn West Coast, and at times sounded like he was from New York. So it's, it's, it's crazy to me how this guy came out and made such an impact with his sound and with his music and carried a coast that was down for a minute. And man, his lyrical ability on this, he references so much. He's a baby inspired by so many great MCs. And that's what makes him a great MC. 
man, the story that I have going into this album, and then I'll let you talk. I know I'm talking a lot on this shit. No, go for it. But like I said, I was listening to a lot of hardcore, a lot of metal and punk and that stuff. And me and my cousin, my cousin Francis, who's a lawyer, uh, we were waiting for this album day and night for it to come out. We were listening to 50 Cent. We were listening to G-Unit. And then we found out about the game and we would listen to his singles. And we were like, holy fuck, this is something. This is something special. And I remember him picking me up one day. I don't know where I was. I was probably at my grandparents' house. And he had this album finally in his car. And we put it on and we listened to it together. And man, did were our minds blown away. West Side Story, fuck. How many songs on this are just classic, classic songs? West Side Story, Dreams, Hey There or Love It. it. The Junior remix is incredible. How We Do. How many times did you go to the clubs and, and hear How We Do in the club featuring 50 Cent? You know, it's actually not one of my favorite songs on this record. No, but it, it goes to show how many... Put You on the Game. Produced yeah. by produced by Timbaland. Church for Thugs, that's my... that's. I find that Next. one of the, the chorus I find pretty corny. It's corny, but it stands out so much in the Just Blaze beat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Father Like Son stands out big time to me because mm-hmm. after hearing that song, I was like, I really hope I have a boy as my first kid. And I remember when we found out we were having a boy, I actually texted you the lyrics to that song. <laughs> but you probably don't remember. Uh, but like... No, that's not what you told me. What was it? You showed me a picture of Matt with a kid. No, but then when we found out it was a boy, I oh, sent you the yes. lyrics right. of this song. You're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, he's, and he's also a very emotional rapper. He's a very emotional rapper. He takes out all his emotions and his anger and everything. Yeah, as much as he's like... Uh, he's not afraid. No, no. I mean, everyone has... Uh, no, he, he does a... He does a good job to, to do... Uh, and believe it or not, for so many years, he came out after project after project, even having the beef with 50 Cent and even having the beef with Dr. Dre that wasn't really a beef. Mm-hmm. It's just he left 50 Cent, so I'm guessing there was some drama with Dr. Dre as well. But going into his other albums and the impact he had with them, he carried the West Coast for many, many years. Look, I agree. I think uh, he had... Uh, we could pretty much say that this is his only album on our list, right? Unfortunately. Did did you ever watch the, the, the DVD that comes with this? No. I did. <laughs> and it was fucking fun. It was basically just him in the hood, where he comes from, from Compton, s- dressed all in red and just fucking being a blood and being stupid. It was very fun. I like I like CDs that have DVDs. His next album also very strong. Doctor's Advocate. Um, yeah, but I think this is pretty much like this is the this is the album you need on this uh, on a list like this for. Uh, it's well deserved. Remember what I said about Compton's Most Wanted, where they bring you to Compton. He does the exact same thing for I me. I can agree with that. Yeah. In this yeah, album, yeah. in a more two thousand five type but could bring you back to new york could bring you back to all these areas because he references it so much but who else 
carried bring you back to Compton. Who else brings you back to Compton? Who else carried the West right after the game? Because there was no one else carrying the West. Kendrick Lamar. Good Kid, Mad City as our final album on this list. The first album on this list from this decade, the 2010s. Yeah. Um, finally. Finally something recent. Good Kid, Mad City. Something you've heard. I hope you've heard it by now. Unless you're just fucking... Unless you live in a goddamn hole. Um, and you don't have earphones or an iPod or a CD player or iTunes or Spotify. Can I say Spotify? Sure. But let's go get to your point before I start screaming. Um, did I have a point? A lot of people, including you, say that this is today's Illmatic. Okay. Before you rip that, you're going to let me explain it? Or? I want you to explain it, then I'm okay. going to rip it. Now, I'm not, I'm not going with a track-by-track breakdown of why the album sounds like Illmatic, but this is the album to me, plain and simple, there's nothing to it. If you're thinking that I'm saying that Good Kid Mad City sounds like Illmatic, it's not what I'm saying. If you're thinking that I'm saying that uh, Good Kid Mad City uh, was meant to have the same impact as Illmatic, it's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, you made it very clear when we did the debut albums episode that Illmatic, people were waiting for it. People were waiting for an album by this person that was supposed to be the hip-hop savior, when Illmatic dropped, people went nuts. And we, today, don't get to connect with that, unfortunately, because we went out and said that Illmatic may be a tad overrated for XYZ reasons. Oops, gaboo. Uh, good Kid, Mad City was unfortunately because in the 2000s there was none of these type of albums was the first time where I got an album and said I could see, I understand Illmatic I understand why or what rather the effect of hearing an album everybody is waiting for because we had heard Section 80 which I loved we knew we knew what to expect but there was just this noise behind it that it's a, it's a, it's a it's a step up. It's executive produced by Dre. It's going to be huge. It's, you know, that to us, after hearing Section 80, Section 80 was, he sounded like a mixtape rapper. I didn't know what to expect on this. When I heard this, okay, I get Elmatic. I'm not saying it sounds like it. I'm not saying it. it to be honest with you, I think that in today's day and age, it's so saturated. There's so much music. It's you're, you're on something, the next week you're on something else that you don't have time to let things age. And part of us bringing in this list is the point of saying that in a saturated world of music, we're going to go pick out albums from recent years that people are already over because they're on to the next thing and we're going to shove them in this list and make a good point on them. This is one of them. This was the Illmatic of this decade. I don't mean that in in a in, again in a sense of sound or in a sense of, you know, it paints the picture for. Somebody made the comment to me of it paints a picture of New York, 
I'm not saying this necessarily paints the picture of of Compton, even though it's it's the most recent album that kind of does. But man, the the only thing I wanted to say, and it's not against you at all. It's just that before this album could have been released, people were saying it's going to be a classic. Then it comes out and people are saying it's today's Illmatic. It's not today's Illmatic. This is today's Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, number one. Number two, after two days of being released, what were people saying? It's a classic. Give it time to breathe. I started to love this album. Let me repeat that. I started to love this album about 10 times after I listened to it. Because it's not a one-time listen thing. It's N- not an album you listen to once and, and immediately feel a connection. You got to soak it in. You got to understand where he's going. You got to understand why he's choosing that lane for production. You got to understand why he's changing his flow 7,000 times in a song. You got you to gotta understand the, the album and the concept of the album. This album was was amazing from the jump but again I started to love it after a couple I would say 10 times of listening to because I really soaked it in and I was trying to understand what he was doing and to this day as a storyteller and the way he painted the picture to this album I don't think anybody has done it better than him remember when I remember getting this album at HMV going home putting it on my computer coming to your house right after in your basement, and yes. you said, and I didn't listen to the album yet. I hadn't listened to the album yet because I would always put albums on my computer yeah. and then put them <laughs> to my iPod before I would listen to them. Yeah. And it was like that one day period, and I kept reading shit on, on Twitter and on the internet. Oh, it's the fucking greatest thing that ever came out. I came to your house. I hadn't listened to it, and you said, Steve, you're really going to like this. I was like, okay, why do you say that? There's a really good song on this album that is really for you. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mad City. Yeah. Because you knew I liked shit like that and where somebody changes up their flow like 20 times in a song. Yeah. And then you said that the MC8 was on this and you knew I liked Compton's Most Wanted. And you were right. From day one, that was my favorite song. Incredible track. It's a, what, five-minute song? Yeah, and like halfway through, you get the switch. Uh, and Yeah, so the beat switches up. And you get MC8, who's a fantastic storyteller, like I told you when I was talking about Compton's Most Wanted. But what's my favorite song today on this album? And we stress about it because it's a lengthy song. Sing about me? Yeah. Well, I mean, you gave it away with the comment, but yeah. But there is six-minute songs, but anyways. Yeah, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. An MC that could rap like that for that long, storytell, change his flow, sing whatever the fuck he's doing, to me is elite MCing. And because of this album, and because of the growth that he has, not on his other albums, but throughout the albums, are we going to really argue at him carrying the West on his back? And in that year, being one of the best. Look at the song Compton, which is produced by Just Blaze. Yeah. Can we go through the track list real quick? Yep, I'm, I'm ready because I, I, this is an album I think we need to. We could, okay. You did say at the beginning we weren't going to, but okay, I'll give you the, <laughs> the go ahead. 
Shireen to me is an intro that is not a standalone track at all. No. It really is like more of an intro to this body that you're gonna hear. It's not a song I put on on my on on No, but like this this song is like the opening credits to a movie. Yeah, yeah, like it leads into the rest of the album very well. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, the single, the song that's still for some reason, I think it's more of a melody thing than it is anything, and I like the way he switches his flow in it. Um, Backseat Freestyle, track three. Fuck. Which is just... uh, Fuck. Incredible, yeah. Art of Peer Pressure, a grower. A track I didn't love. Because it's like Shireen, where... Again, it's painting you a picture and it brings you into a different direction into the yeah, to yeah, the yeah. movie album. You know what I mean? But this uh, this track really grew. Um, it really grew on me as maybe one more that stands with the body of work than on its own, but very strong. Money Trees featuring J Rock. <laughs> I mean, I'm sold on the Beach House sample, but anyways, that song yeah. is to this day. One of his best songs. Poetic Justice, good song featuring Drake, not He did Drake did not need to be on the album. That's my there's like two downs to this album for me. Mm-hmm. He did not need to be on this album. Now that's me hating on him, but he did not need to be on this but album. But he didn't need to be on the YG albums, right? He needed to be on the YG yeah. albums. YG four hundred. Uh yeah, not a sh- not necessarily the strongest song, Poetic Justice. Then you get the Good Kid Pharrell uh, produced track and Mad City that follows with MC8. Could we call them one track? Because they really do. It's really like a large, like a, a segment of the album yeah. that, that works one yeah. with the other being the title track, if you combine but them. But again, storytelling. Yeah. Swimming Pools, That's the lead single. Yeah. Um, it's good. Good, good single. Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. Your favorite track on this album. A track that I like, but not a track that I always feel for. Like, it's it's a good track, but... It's, it's very emotional, and it's a moody track, and it's lengthy. Yeah, but see, that's where the album should have ended for me. Okay. If that song was the outro, concluding... This story, I'm dying of thirst. Yep. That would have made this album. If I give this album a 9.9, if that's where the album ends, it's a 10 for me. Because I don't think that real. Which is my second down to this album. Yeah. Is real. I think most people would say that's the down of the album. Yeah. But it's fine. It's Yeah. And, and Compton could have been a bonus track. I would say... Take out real. Okay. Tell Drake to stay home. Okay. And after sing about me, end with Compton. Merci bonsoir, and we're good. Compton would have been your outro to an album that's so much about pain and 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 this is the because at the end it ends on a positive note. So I understand my I I, I understand the purpose and he pays homage to Dre on it. Hey, and he, but he's telling you the story and then. Which is why, as a bonus track, I would have enjoyed it more than just like if. If you end at track 10, you kind of end on the... I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I like that it ends with Compton where he goes to the studio, he meets Dre, they record the song, you hear him talk, bang, we're done. Bonus tracks, the recipe. Which is fucking insane. 
see that to me is a better track than Compton. And I don't and and just putting this very much forward, I think you agree with me on this. When I rank an album, the bonus tracks are bonus for a reason. Yeah. To me, the the album is the album. Ends at Compton. Bonus tracks are not part of my score. If, if the best song is a bonus track, it doesn't help the score of the album. No. Recipe is a great song. Recipe is one of the stronger songs. If you were to say in this whole body, it's one of the stronger songs. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I think you need to end with Compton. Okay. For me. No, no. It's, I mean, look. For me. It is it, what it is. We can't change it. But this album is just... Okay. What do you have to give it on 10? If you have to give this album on 10. In all honesty, look, I don't give out tens very often. They're on this on this list in full, like you give a ten for my album. Continue. Um, <laughs> I gave a ten to Chronic. But my shit, Chronic. I'd maybe give this a nine point five. I think nine point five is fair. Yeah, I'd give it a a nine point five. Let's end there. With that 9.5. Yeah. I think we're good for the West. What do we have in this episode? So we're going to recap the episode. Very quick, we have... Ice Cube, Death Certificate. Then we have Compton's Most Wanted. Music wanted, to Drive. Music to Drive By. Yeah. <laughs> music to drive by. Um, uh, far Side. Far Side. Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. We're going to settle what you said before, too. Okay. Uh, uh, Souls, Souls of, of Mischief. Mischief 93, 93 Till Infinity. Infinity. We have E40, uh, Fonzarelli. 40 Waters uh, Run Deep. Uh, in a Major Way. We have Dog Pound, Dog Food. It's Bizarre Ride. Two lines meaning to the far side. So am I going, like I'm going to you're the store? You're going, yeah. Yeah? But two, number two to the store. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Um, after dog food, dog pound, we have... 2001? No. We have Tupac, All Eyes on All Me. All Eyes on Me. Then we have Dr. Dre, 2001. Then we have The Game, The Documentary. Then we have Kendrick Lamar, Illmatic. I mean, Good Kid, Mad City. On Saturday, we're going to post on Instagram anyway. So if we were a bit disorganized. So what's your favorite album of this 10 body of work? So I said I didn't give many 10s. I'll give a 10 to... Uh, that certificate ice cube ice cube yeah it i mean it's an iconic rapper his major body of work um really where look if you think of it he was the writer for nwa went solo on america's most wanted impressed so many people and then gave you his best product so there was a constant growth in his catalog up until that certificate yeah, that certificate's perfect. If you're not offended by stuff, go listen to it. Very offended. My album is Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, because you know how obsessed I am with him. Uh, to sound like that in what's coming out in that 2012 and to be that flawless and to that be that good as an MC. Again, I love when rappers change up their flow. I love when rappers don't sound the same. I love it when an album, the songs do not sound the same. It's not a 10, it's a 9.5. But let me tell you, 
Section 80 was great, but this started a train of who's the top five MCs. I remember jumping ahead a bit. He performed at the Grammys, one of the Untitled tracks from Untitled and Master. This was uh, either, well, it was around the time of Pimp a Butterfly. And I had messaged you saying, do you feel like we are watching the best to ever do it? Yeah, I remember that. You said, yeah. I did? You said, yeah. The last four episodes, we're going to take you through the decades. Next. So we're starting with the 80s. What comes after the 80s? The 90s. Very good. What comes after the 90s? Uh, the 2000s. Very good. Season finale <laughs> is where you get to say they put this over Godson. <laughs> they put this over... Fucking, I don't know, something that doesn't need to be on any list. You guys are just nut hugging. The last episode, the season finale, is going to be... 2010s. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're gonna. I think it's I think it's safe to say that hip hop right now had just has is in or has just passed a peak of really um, innovative, game changing, risk taking artists that didn't stick to the recipe, and that brought a larger audience into hip hop that are getting praised by critics. Yeah. That are getting recognized. So the last episode we're dedicating to going, and, and it is 2019. So we're closing out the decade this, this year. Yeah. We're gonna give you 10 albums from the 2010s. That it's it's enough. Like let's 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 give them the love they deserve. Let's say they're part of the best 100 albums. Man, I'm so excited for that episode. There is so much in that episode that is just. Might be top 10 material in hip hop. I could think of a couple, yeah. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. Uh, episode 6, West Coast. Uh, be sure to check out episode 7, 80s. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, so about all the stickers uh, that we had printed oh, that fuck you yeah. saw on our Instagram. Um, if you guys want to help out and you want to just tag shit with them let us know and we'll find a way to get them to you thanks yeah we have stickers we have stickers we have stickers thanks for listening to episode six west coast we'll be back next week as we start the west decades w- episode west west amazing episode no